Hello, welcome to the Joel Fleischman Happy Hour Podcast, episode number 43. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We have Mr. Tim O'Brien from Tim O'Brien Homes. How are you doing today, Tim? Oh, wonderful, Joel. Pleasure, pleasure to be here with you. That's great. Uh, so tradition is we always start with a cocktail. Uh, Tim has some water. We did do a little pre-conversation, but it is truly happy hour. Oh boy, of course. So what you got there? What what style of beverage besides? Yeah, we do that. We do. Uh, so I'm, we're sponsored by um, Amherst, uh, Central okay. Waters in Amherst. Yeah, Jason great Blinker's, beer. Jason Blinker's part owner. Oh, really? Did you know that? Yeah. I yes, actually, you know what I did. I remember him saying something about yeah. that. That that's a great beer. I, I really do like that one. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. This is the Doppelbach, which is the pilot series, which means it's not really out yet. So Jason gives us these. You know, oh. he just I think he just grabs beer from the back for the podcast. Nice. This is called Doppelbach, but the one that I like is Hel Helis. Helis, it's like okay. a pilsner. Pilsner that, that they make, but it's very this this uh, Central Waters is really popular. It's uh, one of the best top microbrews yeah. in the state, from what I know. I'm more of an IPA guy. I like the okay. I, I like the hops. I like the hoppy beers. Man, I can't. Uh, I can't do it. No, what, what I know you, a lot of people can't. Central Waters. Well, you're such a, you know, you're such a trendsetter. So I, 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 I'm not shocked at all. Yeah. What, what, what do you drink? What's your, do you ever do a Central Waters IPA or what are your go-tos? You know, I'm not, um, I know when we had the Better Business uh, Conference, um, the B4 conference, um, that uh, there were some Central Waters beverages on site for one of the afternoon happy hours. And um, there was a good IPA, but I can't remember what it was. Um, most of what you know, I, I get a lot of tips from, uh, you know, our director of marketing, Ryan Hillgartner is a huge Shout beer guy. Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he, he, he loves his local breweries, his microbreweries mm -hmm. and, uh, Eagle park has uh, been a big one. And then, um, uh, what is it now? I think it's uh, phase three, I think is it what it's called, but anyways, they're, they're these great microbreweries. He, he has a really good flair for it and good taste for it. So usually I go based on his recommendations and, um, he's never failed me at this point. So that's, it's always good. To the lake and yeah. stuff hooked up. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. Hey, so Tim, so let's do a little intro here. Uh, Tim O'Brien homes, Tim O'Brien, uh, been a, a customer of Drexel. I was trying to think back. It was pre we bought Drexel. That was 2010. I don't know when you started, yeah. but it yeah. was, it's been a long, long time, Tim. And I thank you for the business. One of our top five customers year over year. We really appreciate it. But a little bit. You want to get? A little, I didn't get a bio on you. I could do a little bio, probably what I know. But when did you start business? Uh, it was uh, June fourth of two thousand seven. Okay. That's when so we it's... officially became uh, incorporated and and opened up. And I think we started doing we started doing business with the Drexel team uh, before we moved into our new office building uh, that we're in now. So yeah, it was it was probably either late two thousand nine, somewhere in two thousand nine. Uh, but got pretty uh, entrenched and going in, in 2010, and um, it's been a, a great partnership. Yeah, you were like on level three, right? Or the third story built. You're like in a third story cubicle. Oh, yeah, it was like well, a actually. Office. Yeah, no, like it, it was. Office. It was like that. It was. It was totally uh, like a. And, and in, let's see, who was in there? We had a wealth management company in there. We actually <laughs> had a orthodontist in mm -hmm. there. Um, but there was a lot of like financial wealth management, things like that. There was an attorney in there as well. And then there was us. And yeah, it was super um, intimidating. It was like, what? It was like, you know, for one of the first large scale, larger yeah. scale builders we had worked with. And I'm like, what am I coming into here? Yeah. Well, I, you guys always saw the conference room. You never saw my office. I never wanted to take you to my office because my office was a storage closet um, <laughs> because there wasn't space. There wasn't any other office space left. And I'm supposed, you know, I planned on being out in the field the whole time. So that wasn't much of a big deal, but it was kind of odd coming into the office and going to this interior room. It almost felt like a panic room of some kind because, you know, no, no windows, uh, limited light. And, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. I kind of felt like maybe I needed to have some dry goods in there with me just in case something happened. <laughs> but of course you get out with your team, I'm sure. So a little oh, yeah. bit about a bio. So give me a, for those listening and watching in. Um, what's sure. your, what's your, well, how, where'd you grow up? What's your background? How'd you get into construction? Sure. So, um, so I've been in, so I grew up in, in the Fox cities, actually, uh, Nina Menasha area. I went to Menasha high school. I moved, uh, my dad was a, a history professor in the UW system. And we moved from Stevens point to Menasha when I was about six and stayed there, uh, all the way up till I, even through graduating college. Um, my 
my construction background has, since I was 14, I've always been involved in commercial contracting. Uh, I worked for a commercial plumber, rode my bike uh, to the shop, um, started washing cars, then started getting more into some of the, the stuff with them in, inside the shop, like parts and things like that, just organizing things. And then I went to work for another commercial uh, group, Bolt, Oscar Bolt, Bolt uh, Construction, which is a general contractor headquartered in, in Appleton. Um, and I, customer of Drexel's as well. Is are okay. Still, so yeah, so yeah. I worked I worked for that group, knew Oscar or got to know Oscar. He's a, just a wonderful individual, one wonderful human being. Um, worked for them uh, in high school. Worked for them in the first couple of years in college, and then um, when I went and did my uh, master's program, I went back to work for them again. They had a project in in Madison. Uh, got in on the ground floor of that. That was a, a hospital, like a six-story hospital uh, building, and uh, just a wonderful, great experience. Again, a great group. So I've always been geared towards uh, commercial construction. And when I was doing my master's, I'd, uh, my thesis, one of the things that I had to do was go interview some consultants, talk to some consultants, consultants. And one of the ones that I talked to was this value engineering uh, specialist. And um, we were talking and he just asked me, you know, what, what do you really want to do? What are you interested in doing? I said, well, you know, I, I really like I really like homes. I really like residential construction. But where I grew up, you know, in the Fox Cities at that time, my idea of a of a of a home builder was truly a skilled craftsman, almost like this master craftsman. Right. I, I've never built anything like that before. I, you know, these guys are driving around. They're 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 good down to earth, salt of the earth type people that work really hard. And I've never really had that experience. So I always felt that if I'm going to do something in construction, it has to be commercial construction. It has to be like this big business. And so this gentleman opened up my eyes to this bigger, larger residential industry that's exists outside of the state of Wisconsin, national public builders, you know, building tens of thousands of homes a year and, and having some really good organizational structure. And I kind of, I, I got excited about that. And, um, you know, at, at the time I made a choice to kind of go where my heart said I should go versus where my mind and all my education was telling me I should go where my parents were telling me I should go because well, I spent all this education? time in school. So I went to um, University of Wisconsin, Madison, go Badgers. And um, I have an undergrad, had an undergrad in construction administration through a bachelor of arts program. That's what, that's the only construction program that they had at the time. And when I graduated in 1990, uh, the commercial construction industry was in a recession and Bolt wasn't hiring. You know, that's where I really, I wanted to go. Um, there wasn't really anybody else, but a, but a local mom and pop GC firm. And I just didn't feel that that was the right fit. So I, both my parents have post-secondary education and I knew at some point I was going to do that. I said, well, you know, I had a girlfriend at the time who was making good money and I thought, well, hey, you know, maybe we can move in together and she can help support me <laughs> and I can get my college loans and go to school. Um, and that's what we did. And ultimately, to make that story short, um, I married her. So um, hi, Jane. Shout out to Jane. <laughs> that's shout out to Jane. Um, but I went back to and I had to go back and get before I could get into the, their master's program, I had to go back and get um, an undergrad in civil engineering. So I had uh, a year and a half of just core engineering courses, just solid, you know, immersion in engineering and technical work. And um, so I did that. I got into the master's program and I, my focus was um, my mom actually kind of exposed me to this when she was she worked for Kimberly Clark. And at that time, this was in 19 uh, or probably 87. They were going through uh, a quality management program with Edwards Deming, Dr. Deming, one of the key founders of total quality management. She turned me on to this book by a gentleman named Tom Peters, and it was called Thriving on Chaos. And that was my first kind of introduction to the principles of total quality management. And that just really got me excited. And so when I got into the master's program, I decided, you know what, hey, I'm not aware of anybody that's doing this in the construction industry. I want to go out there and learn more about it and how it could apply to the, to the construction industry. And I did some case studies on um, university uh, structures that had been built, um, research facilities, uh, office and admin buildings, and just kind of talking to the quote unquote customers of those facilities to see how the process went. And during the course of that, I learned a tremendous amount about 
this internal customer supplier relationship, the importance of of having these uh, and understanding really what the end user, how they're going to use their facility. And at that point in time, you know, the state was more about just bring it in at the lowest co cost possible. Um, but what I found when you do that is you get facilities that just don't work. You get facilities that don't meet the needs of those who are, are using them. And that just resonated with me. Um, and that's kind of what I've carried into, you know, our organization here. That, that's what I carried into all the other organizations I work for. Um, my first job out of college was working for Pulte Homes. They were here in Milwaukee. And that gentleman I mentioned uh, earlier in the value engineering consultant, he's the one that opened the door for me to get a connection with Pulte. And it just so happened that they were just starting up in Milwaukee. It worked out great. Um, came and joined that operation. Loved working for that group, especially the group in the metro Milwaukee area. But I got exposed to a lot of their national training programs. Um, what I learned from, what I learned from, Pulte was um, the importance of customer satisfaction, really measuring that data, and then um, building science. Those were those are two kind of the key critical things that I learned from them and carried that with me into Tim O'Brien Homes. They decided to leave the market. I believe it was like 1998. I went to go work for another company called William Ryan Homes, worked for them for about nine years. Uh, what I learned from them was uh, operational discipline, you know, really knowing your cost, understanding uh, you know, your, your job cost, um, understanding how to, how to properly budget, how to track your budget, just basically operational discipline. So I was able to take kind of all three of those, the customer sat piece, um, the, uh, building science and the operational discipline and, and other bits that are kind of culture related, um, things that I felt were, could be a detriment to culture, things that I felt enhanced culture. And um, I was able to take all of that learning and, and bring it in to, to start a new organization, a new company built around the customer experience, um, using the basic principles of building science to, to build higher performing homes and really, uh, really focusing on that, that culture. Um, that was one thing that was really important to me. Um, and uh, early, from early on, you know, we really defined what our core values were in our organization that really kind of centered around the group of people that we were, we want to hire that fit those values. And um, boy, it's just, it's, it's been a great ride since. Awesome. Awesome. Let's go present day. I love some things you said, because the things that, that I, when I've worked with your company for over a decade, culture, organizational skills, customer satisfaction, I know them are super important to you. But you're also somewhat on a scale. Um, you do a lot of homes. Uh, so people not listening, 2021, what is Tim O'Brien about today? And I know you're not about volume. You're about each individual home. I know you'd be the first person to say that. But how many homes do you do? What markets are you in? And uh, maybe like, you know, if I was thinking about building with you, what's your elevator speech? So, um, That's kind of so fun. okay. So, um, you know, we're in Milwaukee and Madison. We went into Madison. So we've been in Milwaukee ever since, since 2007. We went into Madison in 2012, January 1st. Uh, right now this year, our typical sweet spot is about 120 homes in Milwaukee area and about 80 homes in Madison. And we're going to be pretty much on that for this year. Um, but to your point, you know, it's not about the volume for us. Um, uh, obviously, as you know, in this industry, you know, there's a lot of risk uh, in the, in the home building industry. So, um, you know, profitability, focus on profitability and, and controlling your cost is key to survival in this. And, and you pack away stuff for that day that comes, that's going to be a lot tougher to get through. So that's what we focus on. Um, but also we focus on building high performance homes. And, and what I mean by that is early on when we started this organization, Tim O'Brien homes, my partner, Matt Newman, and I made a commitment to energy efficiency and green home building. And not only just a, a, a commitment in that strategy, but a commitment to back it up with a third party certification program. And every home that we built since June of 2007 has fallen under that, that strategy, that guideline, that third party uh, verification. Um, and, but we, w with that though, you know, we felt that this should be a, the way that you just build homes. It doesn't have to come at a huge premium. Of course, you've got to be able to demonstrate the value to your customers and what you're building. They have to be wanting to pay because we're not the dollar per square foot builder. We're, we're not the cheapest in town, nor do we uh, ever, you know, proclaim we we are uh, cheaper than anybody else in the market. We talk about value. We talk about what we can contribute to 
um, to our homeowners. And we also talk about the total cost of home ownership. It's not just what the, it's the cost to build. It's what's the what's the cost to maintain it. What's the cost to uh, you know provide utilities to it. Um, and then there's also other intangibles that only customers can assign value to, uh, kind of peace of mind related, and that's comfort. Um, you know, we, we focus a lot more, we focus on indoor air quality. We really try to elevate that message a little bit more. It's always been there in what we've done. I don't think we've talked about it as much as we could, um, especially with what's happened with COVID and people living more indoors. And if you're going to work from home and you're spending a lot more time in your home and the quality of that air in your home, um, has to be a good quality air. And, and typically, homes don't have good quality air there's a lot of uh, infiltration that comes in through the walls that brings all this dirt and dander and all of this other crud that might be in a wall system into your home um, we really focus on mitigating air infiltration and focus on bringing in fresh air and filtering uh, that air um, that's pretty much kind of our, our elevator speech is we are focused on building value-based green and energy certified homes and we continue to uh, tweak those dials get we want to continue to get better we're, we're not satisfied ever we're with where we are we always think there's more opportunity to get better at what we do and that's kind of our our continuation of what we want to do in the marketplace so i'm 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 tom and mary and i'm thinking about building with you and you, you use the word value and green um energy efficient if you will um, simplified word for me, but I know you probably wouldn't use that word yourself. But the uh, what what are what are some things that you do specifically different than? And I'm not picking on any other builder, but yeah, these are the things that we. Why I'm not the cheapest because of X Y Z. What are what are maybe two or three leading things that you would say? Well, the first thing is uh, the the most cost efficient way to build an energy efficient home is to focus on air infiltration, and it, it, it's. It's just attention to detail at the end of the day, and it's it's the systems of how you build a. Uh, we don't build we don't look at building a home as pieces and parts. We look at it as a system, and and all of these systems need to function well together. And so when we look at it as a system, we can build a better airtight home. We really focus on the number of air changes per hour. We try to drive that down, and then of course bring in that fresh air ventilation into into the into the home. Um, but we really focus on first driving down consumption. Um, that's the key. Drive down consumption. And then um, if you want to what do, augment, what do you mean by consumption? So that again, that would be the air infiltration is the big one because that's your heating and cooling, right? Mm -hmm. So if you've got air infiltration coming in your home, your furnace is not only battling with, uh, you know, kind of this radiant yeah. heat or, uh, you know, the, the cool cold that's just transferring through the walls, you're dealing with the air that's coming in with it. And if you can mitigate that air, essentially eliminate it, uh, your heating and cooling costs drop dramatically. Um, then, the, then the next thing is, as you build a tight home, you've got to think about what you're trapping inside. Um, and so radon is a big part of that. So we use an active radon system in every home we've built since, oh my gosh, it's probably going back to 2014, 2013. Um, and that's been a standard practice for us. We use a, an, um, a fresh air ventilation system, which is technically called an uh, ERV or an energy recovery ventilation system, but that's our fresh air system. That's the lungs of the home. And then we use high capture filtration. Uh, we have a big box media filter that goes into our furnace that captures, you know, 99.999% of, of, of stuff that flows through the, the, uh, HVAC system, but really focus on the big thing is comfort, uh, indoor air quality and, 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 and certainty in your utility bills predictability of, of what you're going to have to, to um, pay for in, in your home. Again, total cost of home ownership, not what it costs the first time to build it. What does it cost to maintain and, and take care of it? Smart, smart. What you guys, you had mentioned um, customer satisfaction that you uh, learn that, understand that. I know you guys do that very well. I don't, I don't do, we don't do that very well at Drexel. I, you, you know that you're a, you're a very good component besides me just calling you once in a while and picking your brain. We don't have a surveys, we don't have charts, we don't have graphs. Um, I wish we did have metrics. What kind of metrics do you use as a builder to know your homeowners are satisfied? Uh, I know it's beyond just a shake their hand at the end and give them a bottle of wine and say thanks. 
Yeah. Um, what, what kind of metrics do you use if you're willing to share those? Yeah, that's a great, great question because I think that's the metric piece, the KPI piece is so important. Um, you know, when, when I left Pulte Homes, I went to work for, you know, William Ryan Homes and, and they, they've adapted since then. But initially it was like this five questions on a sheet of paper that you slide across the closing table to your customer and they're looking you in the eye, you're looking them in the eye. And, and, and what we found is that they're not going to be really honest or authentic because they don't want, no, who wants to scream <laughs> yeah. and yell at you, you know, in front of, in front of you. Right. Yeah. So, so. I always believe that we need to have open and honest communication on that. We need a third party to perform it for us. So we use a, a, a company called Avid Ratings, and it just so happens they're out of uh, the Madison, they're out of headquartered in Madison, but they're one of the largest uh, residential uh, customer surveying companies in North America. They do builders in Canada as well as um, even Australia. I found out the other day they're in Australia. Um, but what we get from that is what I call the three P's. We get to look. We get to understand our the the people, um, the process, and the product. And so they'll they'll rank a score on product. Um, we have questions in there that relate to our process, uh, how they flowed through the process, their experience, and then we have uh, questions related to people. So responsiveness, care, um, availability, um, things like that. So those are the three P's that we track, and. What we survey them three times during their during their entire experience of of with us because as a builder, this customer relationship contractually lasts eighteen to twenty four months. I mean, it's it's a long time for a, a, a relationship based around a product, um, and so for us, we we survey them um, when the house is a, a close to drywall. It's called a process survey. It kind of gives us just a a quick check in. Uh, simple questions, and it gives us a feel. Hey, are we trending in the right direction, or is this thing already off the rails? And we got to get it back on before we close. So that's our process survey. Thirty days after they move in, we do a move-in survey, and then we do one on or about their one-year anniversary of living in their home. So that's our our warranty survey. And from each three of those surveys, we can slice and dice the data. It's incredible what um, Avid is able to do for us. We can uh, see where we compare against. Again, top performing builders across the country, um, you know, builders that subscribe to Avid Ratings or any other third party surveying. These are people that care about customer satisfaction. They're already at the top level, right? Just because they track it. We, we track OTIF, right? On time yeah. and in full delivery service, scheduling, installing service, our outside. We track all that just by us tracking it. Same as you, Tim. Yeah. It puts us in the top 20% as uh, building materials in the country, maybe top 10%. So just tracking it, correct? So you have to trick your brain that even if you're underperforming, you're still above performing, right? Yep. You can't fix, you can't, you can't improve what you don't measure, right? Yeah, if you don't know where you're at. And so, um, you know, we can look at, we can look at where we, where we rank against the other builders in, in, by each category. Uh, we can, we can have conversations with our manufacturers about product. We could say, Hey, look, you know, your, your refrigerator, your stove, you know, people love that, but the dishwasher, they just absolutely hate look at the scores and then here are the comments so we can so if somebody has a bad score on a dishwasher we can sort by who put that in and we could look at comments it's 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 a great way for us to truly get better we can we can sort it by our our, our building professionals in the field we can sort it by our new home sales professionals we can sort it by all these different data points and it, it really helps us get better at what we do um, actually uh, just an hour or so before I got on this uh, this call with you here um, I was talking to one of our customers who did not have a great experience and um, you know based on the data that they were able to give us in the comments which I appreciate and they of course appreciate the fact that I read it. <laughs> and wanted to reach out to them to have a conversation about it. I now have an opportunity to, um, improve, to provide training to uh, one of our team members. I think uh, he's a great team member. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He probably just needs some good training or more resources to do his job better. And then there's probably some process things in there for us to, to improve upon. So um, that's what I, I really like is because our number one, well, I should say our top core value is delivering an extraordinary experience. And we have a, another metric that we use um, to define who we are. And it's called the, the, the key three uniques. 
And our number one unique for us is delivering that extraordinary experience. We believe that you can copy the products you put, you know, other builders can copy products you can put in your house. They, they can copy how you build uh, the systems that you put into your house, but they can't copy your people. You know, they can't copy what your people can deliver in terms of an experience. And that gets back to the culture. And that gets back to some of the things, Joel, that, you know, you and, and, and your organization do so well is that that culture piece. And, and people can feel that, you know, if, if people really enjoy what they do and they're supported by um, by the organization, given the right resources, um, given given kudos and, and recognition for uh, excelling, um, your your customers feel that. They feel that sense of pride coming out of out of those out of your teammates, out of your team members, and and that's another thing that we use the, this uh, Avid ratings for is we have awards at the end of the year, and um, the top performers in each one of these categories, and we probably have about ten categories, um, you know, get recognized. And of course, when a great survey comes through, we in our weekly huddle calls, I'll read through some of the survey comments, uh, especially as it relates to an individual. Um, and, and promote that to the group uh, on the huddle call, which is our, our entire organization. And just, you know, big round of applause and uh, celebration for exhibiting our core values and delivering that extraordinary experience. That's great. Yeah, I had an opportunity to attend a couple of your awards things, and uh, they're pretty extraordinary, honestly. And you yeah. had, and you, I remember being at something that you were talking about, and you had, in front of everybody, you said, hey, people build houses. You guys build our houses. We don't build our houses. Yeah, we don't build a thing. Right. You're all in this together. Yeah. You're all making us look good or bad, or, yeah. and it's ultimately about the Mr. and Mrs. Anderson, uh, um, you know, the end user. So that was pretty powerful to me. So that's great stuff. So I have two more questions. This is You're doing great. This is going so quick. I could have you on for like a Tim Ferriss three-hour podcast, but <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to listen to my to me talking. Um, two more questions that I have for you. One, you, you're an organized guy. Um, you're an organized company. You've, you've alluded to that a few times. I know that. What is what does your week to week look like? And then I want to ask you after that, uh, in the back of your brain, what's keeping you awake right now? But maybe what is what is because we we took a lot. You had us read as a supplier, a vendor, a partner, a, a supporter of you know of Tim O'Brien Homes. We read the book Traction and worked with you on a lot of traction stuff. That was five years ago already, maybe? Is that right? Yeah, that sounds about right. So pandemic hits, whatever. I'm like, we gotta get we gotta get this ramped up. You know, we gotta figure out I can't just run around with the chicken with a head cut off. And so we started doing tact we read traction together, started doing our tacticals, the rock, uh, implemented a lot of things that you guys have been doing for years and years. And it has become a, a game changer for uh, time management. Yes. Anxiety, stress, and actually getting things done. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it was 27 phone calls to move it an inch. And then I still mm -hmm. missed three phone calls. And then they all circle back to maybe get somewhere. It's been, I thank you so much for that, Tim, because I don't think we'd be there without you doing traction. Um, it's really saved my life from working. I was doing 350 emails a day, seven days a week at one mm -hmm. point. Uh, yeah. To doing tractions and actually hey, three o'clock, I can do a podcast. I'm having a beer. I'm not that stressed out, honestly, like for real. I'm not going to go back and do 30 emails before I shut this down. But so what's your week look like? And what's, and then, you know, what's, what's keeping you awake at night ultimately? So my week, I, I mean, I'm really, I, I, I feel um, I, I'm disciplined in time blocking my week uh, to provide predictability to me, provide predictability to my team. So, um, you know, I have uh, certain days of the week hey, I'm where- gonna, I'm going to stop on that. Yeah, I think that's a key thing that you that you alluded to. If that's okay, I can interrupt you. No, yeah. uh, that predictability I talk about a lot as well. That's creating good habits. I always say it's like coming home in, in your house and just throwing the keys wherever you want every time you come home, and then right. taking your phone and throwing it wherever you every time. Well, I don't have time to put it in the same spot. You know how much stress that would be. Yeah. So we but we do that with time management skills. We just go, well, whatever comes up, I'm just putting out fires. I just show up to work on Tuesday and things happen. Well, you don't have that discipline habit, but that predictability caused your brain to go to another level. You're not running with this monkey brain, monkey brain, I call it. Go right. ahead. Sorry. Keep so going. so what I relate that to is I try to automate as much as I can in my life. What I mean by that is I if if I know my actions of what I do, I don't have to think about them. They're predictable. They're certain. I can always know where to go get my keys. 
I can always know where to go get my phone in your example that you use. Anything that I can automate and make more predictable for myself allows me greater bandwidth to focus on more important things and to deal with some of the urgent things that pop up. Um, does, your, but, does your family think you're really anal then? Because mine uh, does. Like really like, <laughs> like I have to do like the pantry thing. Like I'm almost OCD, but I'm like, yeah. it just calms my brain. So does your, like, is your immediate family kind of be like, man, dad's out there somewhere. <laughs> or yes. dad's got to have his coffee at, you know, 6.41 a.m. or whatever that is. What my wife sometimes says to me is, why, you know, be out in the yard doing something or I on the house, you know, fixing something. She goes, why are you doing this? Why don't you hire someone? What, or, or why are you taking it to this level? She, and then she'll, I'll look and I'll smile. She goes, oh, this is a Timism. Then what that stands for is this is only something Tim would do. Nobody else does this. Just it's important to Tim, <laughs> you know, source to, of pride. To, to, yeah, that's exactly, yeah. that's how I look at it, Joel. Of course, I like to look back and see what I did, you know, even if it's painting some window trim or, you know, doing something, I just, I enjoy working with my hands and, and I enjoy looking back at what I did. Um, but anyways, my week, you know, yes, I, I, I time block project time. So to, pretty much I try to get all of my meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, whether that's peer group meetings or in-office meetings or whatever it might be. And then I usually try to leave my they're Monday. All, they're all the same times with the same. They're team. all the same. Right, 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 right. right. And, and then I use my, usually leave my Mondays uh, partially open, if not mostly open, and my Wednesday afternoons and my Friday is pretty much a flex day. So I can work on projects or anything that I want to work on, anything that I feel drives uh, the, the company forward or anything that I need to do as a business owner to run my business. And then that way, it's not like I'm trying to fight it in between meetings. I'm like, okay, these are my meeting days. Um, and, and that's what these days are going to stay. And the other thing in my, um, so, you know, you have the, like you said, the traction meetings are pretty much it, but also in that Tuesday, Thursday are my one-on-ones with my, with my team leaders, uh, and, and others that I have one-on-ones in the, in the company with. And these are just, you know, uh, organized check-ins, uh, with an agenda and, um, and it's an opportunity for, uh, me to coach and help support. Um, I mean, the meetings are really, the meetings aren't reporting meetings. They shouldn't be reporting meetings. We do that in traction. We do that in other areas of the company, but these are really like kind of big picture things, what you're working on, what you're struggling with. Um, you know, I want them to bring issues or content to the meeting. And, um, I think that's most important. Uh, some people, um, you know, we meet with once every other week. Some people I meet with once a week. It depends really on what they want to talk about. Um, but really, my week is obviously running, uh, working with the team to run an or organization, but there to support the team. I am, um, you know, I, I, I provide, I, I want to make sure that I provide the resources that they need to do their job effectively and um, help them work through, coach them through any problems, not solve their problems, but coach them through the problems by asking a lot of how and what questions, right? Um, that really helps to kind of get people to start thinking about how they can solve things on, on their own. So that's pretty much my my week. Um, you know, do you find the old, uh, recently I have found it at least, but do you find it, maybe I'm speaking for you, do you find the older that you're getting or the wiser, the more coaching, the less solving you're doing, but also the more, um, I feel more confident in my coaching. Does that make sense? Yeah, with the wisdom, with wisdom, yeah. <laughs> wisdom and experience, and you know, and surrounding yourselves with other good coaches. I mean, I've got a, a lot of great people that I I work with um, that I get coaching from, um, and it helped me to become a better coach. Um, you know, I'm an avid reader, um, and uh, so I I'm you know I, I saw this shirt the other day. Uh, and I'm going to get, I'm going to get one. I'm going to get one printed, but it, this guy was wearing his shirt and I right on the front of the shirt, it said student for life. Oh, that's good. Student for life. And I'm thinking that, that is it. Th those, those three words, student for life. And, and that's who, what we should be about as a, as individuals, we got to continue to grow and, and, and just not stay in the same spot. That's where, you know, life starts to get stagnant and, and you start to get stale and, and you start to feel you know, bad about what you're doing or what you're not doing. I think just growth, continue to grow. Um, good is, good is book important. you read lately? Um, you know, actually, the one I just finished reading is called Why We Sleep. 
why we sleep, um, uh, unlocking the power of sleep and dreams. There's there's a tremendous amount of health related Paper, things. Paperback guy. Paper, yeah. I do listen to Audible, but if I really like something, if I listen to something on Audible, I really like it. I'm gonna go get the book because I, you may, I don't know if you can see this, but I, I'm a, I, I'm a Kindle guy. I'm a Kindle guy. I dog ear pages. Oh, you do. I hide. You know? I, I snap. I screenshot the Kindle is what I do. Is that what you do? Yeah. Um, but you know that book talks about just you know the importance of sleep and what happens when we don't get it. Goes through a whole history of, you know, illnesses related to not sleeping well, um, and how sleeping well makes you a uh, higher performance as a professional and as a as a as a as a as a as a, as a dad, as a sibling, um, as a spouse, human. Uh, just just as a human and and all the health effects. And it's it was a great book. It was re recommended to me by. A gentleman who reads a, a lot and uh usually when he recommends something i go get it but yeah why we sleep um the other one i'm it's a when you're a, when you're an avid reader like you and i yeah. it's actually a burden because people recommend you like two books a day and, I, and they're like did you read that one yet i'm like yeah, I'm yeah. add it to your years. list right? yeah, like, add, oh, no. you gotta add that one to your list yeah, yeah right? i'm i just read a book by navel radelsky or something okay. uh silicone guy okay. uh fantastic fantastic book very 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 smart guy um very much related to just how to be leadership what he went through what he understood but very philosophical yeah uh, very deep uh, as far as just kind of the kind of the meaning of life kind of thing and how he did it he came from india um in a caste system so deep down india and just basically oh. read his way to seattle and then became an angel investor and how and how that all worked you know so interesting dude and how, Somebody... how he can perceive things so many great stories out there, right? Oh, I just, that, that's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, my favorite is finding a good biography. I think that's my genre of choice currently. So mm. for sure. Oh, that's cool. Um, you had asked, the other question you'd ask um, is what keeps me up at night. Um, honestly. Not, not your heel. Not my fact that I got to sleep on my back with my foot in the air. No, not yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but what does um, you're reading a book on sleeping well? So yeah. this is like a total loaded question. Your brain's I can tell your brain's not working right. Like, no, I, I, that's not how I sleep anymore. But no. OK, so what are you uh, working on internally as a company? That's a better question. So, you know, the, the things actually what I'm focusing on right now is our team's health. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, we have a lot going on in our world uh, with COVID um, and, and a lot of uncertainty that people have about that. Um, still, you know, all of last year was a huge amount of stress for our team and for everybody. Right. Um, and now in our industry, and it's not just our industry, it's other industries as, as well. This, the supply chain issue is, is, is very highly anxiety creating for us and our team. Everybody on our team touches is impacted by it in one way or another. Our, our and, industry is wound so tight right now. Oh is my actually, gosh. Tim, so tight. It's so funny you said that. You and I aligned so many times, and maybe that's why I've had you on my podcast. It's the number one thing I'm working on right now. If I can get for our company specifically, what we call our quarterbacks or outside salespeople, a they have to have a lot less accounts through the course of the years. We've we've managed them to grow their accounts and prospect. Stupidest uh -huh. thing we should have done. We should have went more like investment firm. Um, Tim Balder takes care of your account. He's We're awesome. working. He is a great guy. Hi Tim. Shout out. I'm sure I know he'll listen. We're working with Tim to someday only have your account, right? And then, well, what, what happens if Tim fires me? We're going to back you up with a salary so you can, you know, bridge yeah. that gap. Yeah. But we only, we, you know, for years we had your account. And then Tim, what else are you working on? Where else are you going to get it from? Maybe someday we'll give you some support if you get a couple more accounts. Well, when is that? When's that trigger? But what yeah. we realized was it was actually horrible. We get him more support, which meant what? More revenue, which meant yeah. what? More customers which meant what more support endless cycle he makes a, a lot of money but guess what we just this, this is what we were missing tim eyeballs uh -huh. time uh -huh. stress yeah. health yeah. happiness there's only so many conversations he can have there's only so many job sites he can visit that's a finite number not an infinite number yeah. and that's what we had to fix we're fixing as a company that's gonna take years to unravel but the health happiness of our cost of our team and our industry we're just building homes, everybody. But go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, that, extrapolate I mean, what you're saying. But that's it. I mean, it's it's the it's the anxiety and the stress. It's it, we, and we've seen it. 
um, you know, kind of blow up in, in our organization, just leak out a little bit, right? Not a huge blow up, but a, a little bit of a leak of it. And you're like, okay, well, there's a ticking time bomb. We got to, we got to address this. We got to sit down with this person to really either get them some, some, uh, some additional coaching, some additional help, some support is what I mean. You know, they, they, they have a problem that's generated by the situation that and circumstances that we all seem to be in. And I'm highly sensitive to that because, um, I don't want, people to burn out. I don't want people to get um, uh, compassion fatigue. I don't want them to lose their passion for what they do because they keep giving so much to it and they they don't feel they're getting anything back in, in return in terms of dealing with uh, a customer's upset that they're going to miss um, you know Thanksgiving in their home or Christmas in their home. And that takes, that's a lot of weight on on, on that individual's shoulders. And um, one of the things that we've been talking about is really making sure that we are having these check-in with our team more often and really asking questions. Hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? How's it going out there? What can we do to help you? Um, Tim, you we, know what I learned? I just read that somewhere. The best way to do it, I obviously eye contact. Say yep. it twice. So how are you doing? And they go, fine. Uh-huh. And then actually stop and go, no, no, no. Honestly, how are you doing? And people will tear up. They choke up, yeah. especially now with the anxiety, right? Like, like they don't want to talk about it. You know, the worst thing is we have Caitlin Stahl. Hi, Caitlin, everybody. The girls around here, I pick them all the time. They always say they're fine. I'm like, I'm going to get you T-shirts made. I'm fine. And on the backside, your head's going to get blown off, right? Like, oh, my gosh. No more, it's fine. Do you know what um, the fine is an acronym for? No, I, no, I don't. Feelings inside not expressed. <laughs> I'm using it. I'm using that every day. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Three days later, you're in my office. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah. you were fine. And yeah. I, I lack empathy. So uh, it's, God didn't give me that patient empathy thing. But yeah, I just did a Facebook post on it today. Patience, communication, and wasn't persistent. Patience, communication, wasn't profitability either. With the supply chain, it really is patience, communication. Oh, um, planning. Obviously, yeah, yeah. organize. You know, we're, we're, we've just expanded our warehouse, has taken a larger line of credit at the bank. Order everything, and I know you guys do, but we're telling all builders a time of contract or whatever project you're working on, yeah, order everything. We'll store it. Let's, yeah, let's take because what the problems are are beyond the initial order is the back orders, of course. Mm. So we want to order it, bring it in, deal with the back orders internally, mm. and then the, 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 the subcontractors on site. The builder on site never has to worry about that. They don't touch it. But we need that so far down the road. It's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And I yeah. think I'm predicting, you're a good predictor. I'm predicting this is this is just the start of, of what's going to happen in 2022, potentially 2023. I agree. As far as supply chain. I agree. I, I it's gonna get worse before it gets better, no doubt. Mm-hmm. No doubt. But that's 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 the thing that kind of gnaws at me is just I want people to be fulfilled in, in, in what they do. Um, and, and I don't want them to get, well, burnout, burnout, burnout is something that happens over a longer period of time, but compassion fatigue, losing passion for what you do can happen so quickly. The good news about it though, is that's something that can recover much quicker as well as soon, but you gotta be aware of it. You gotta, you gotta work to identify it. I think they go hand in hand. I think the great people that you hire, good people that we hire, hopefully, I think the compassion fatigue actually gives them the burnout because they're good people. Mm. They don't want to be burned out or they don't want to have compassion fatigue. They don't want to be that stressed. They don't want to bite off somebody's head on an email. They don't want to chew out somebody on the job site. That's not what they want to do. It's not what they want to do. So then when they do it, it actually snowballs on them because they feel bad, but they don't know how to recover. And then, and then, and, but then they have to go to the next phone call and then they have to go to the next issue and they don't even have time to process what just happened emotionally. And before I know it, and I'm sure you have done, I haven't seen a team member in a month and I see him and I'm like, dude, you're not in a good spot. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? I'm like, I can tell, man, you like, you know, you're taking, I, you're taking your, a guy sends you a very nice order of a purchase order of a home. Yep. KKK got it. Yep. 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 Like, dude, that was like, like, did you talk to the guy? Yeah. 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 He knows I'm, he knows we're good. Like what? He knows we're yeah. good. Like, well, yeah. no, I told the guy I can't do it. I, I can't do everything. I'm like, where did we get to this point as an industry? And again, uh, I feel we got to get out of that. And, you know, our mission to supply happiness is like internally first. And then, you know, if you're not happy inside, you're not happy outside. 
right? Like just like they say, if you're if you're if you live in a home that isn't happy, you're not going to be happy at work. If you're sure. not happy in your organization, you're not going to exhibit. You're not going to be happy in the people that you work with. It's, That's it's the so, analogy I've so been using important. with our quarterbacks. They're yeah. like, I feel our culture of our company is we have a really a lot of people that have a do have a ton of fun in our company, and then we have these stressed out quarterbacks that are like the angry dad, right? Mm-hmm. We're all playing in the basement, like hey. And then dad comes in, you're like, oh my God, is he in a good mood, bad mood? What's going to happen? Oh, which I'm sure, you know, project managers, at least and maybe not in your company, but in most companies, they kind of are the salesman for you, if you will. I know they're not the salesman. They're, they're the ones with the burden of building that house. Yep. Right. And a lot of responsibility, a lot of responsibility and, and widgets and everything coming at them. And ah, is dad in a good mood today or is he in a bad mood? Because if that, if the project manager is in a good mood, we're all going to be in a good mood. If he's in a hell hole, I don't want to be on the site. Like, mm-hmm. but, but again, they're the dad, they're the mom, they're the, they're the patriarch, they're the, the lead, the lead. So we got to get them all in a good spot. I don't know. We know the secret sauce for our company is just more of the, of salesmen. You know, uh, mm-hmm. if somebody would quit, we would just give Tim Mulder more accounts because he's a great salesman. I'm like, that is so fundamentally dumb, which is similar to, to, again, maybe not your company, but other builders or I've seen, right? We got another subdivision. Well, who's taking care of that subdivision? Well, Tim, you know, Tim, he's great. Yeah. Well, how many houses is Tim running? Well, I don't know, but he's the best one we got. I got a bunch of newbies. They can't take care of that subdivision. He never complains. (laughs) I've got, I've got one of those guys right now that I, he worries me the most because he never complains. Yeah. Yeah, and then, I'm, and then I'm worried about him the most. More, right? I'll yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll be over there tonight. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll yeah. be there for you. He's he's yeah. the guy that's always there for everybody. Yeah, and yeah. um, you know, you just you could see over time stress building up, but he's like, no, I'm good. Yeah. So we're actually gonna we're actually forcing these guys to take less accounts and girls. Yeah. Um, as it's coming up. So last thing, we we got to wrap up. I could do this all day. Um, we always ask every person that's ever been on my podcast, forty three of them. Uh, you have a Tim Ferriss. We stole that from one big giant billboard. It's seen universally, if you will, or stays up a long time. You can put anything you want on it. What's on mm, it? Lord. Oh, I didn't. Any, I, this, I just dropped this on you. I didn't debrief you on this. No, you didn't debrief uh, me on this. Is that, is that typically how this goes? Yeah, I have Holden Sterling. He's our executive producer. He sends you an email. Yeah. Prepared questions yeah. and very nice. Yeah. I didn't do that. I just said, hey, come on my pod. So yeah, I'll just drop it on you. That's okay. You're you a know, speaker. I one thing that um you know when you when you when you start a company right you and you know this and um you pour your life into it you 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 want to see it succeed it's your baby you feel like it's a big part of you what you i shouldn't say what you what i lost track of is other things around me that are more important um you know family social um uh, being being present and and if i was going to put something up on a on a billboard it would be it would say be present you know be in the shoe be be in the space where your feet are um and and, and when you are you you can um you can bring more into your senses um you can appreciate the the now you can you know not the past not the future be in the present and um one of the things i missed uh, in doing all of this was a lot of my kids growing up you know and it's like holy cow who are you uh look at how fast you've grown up and i and i missed opportunities to really be present with them and it's hard to go back and you well you can't go back and get it but it's hard to even try to recreate it again and and i've been spending a tremendous amount of time rebuilding that um with with my with my children and so the one thing i would say and one thing i wish that somebody would have really beat into me earlier on is really just about being present you know, use your senses in the moment that you're there. You can, it, it's so, it, it's so freeing. It's the mindfulness of it. You, you, you take in truly the beauty of what's around you and you don't just drive by it. You don't just walk by it. You don't just miss it. Be present. Be that, present. I, you know, I read Marcus Aurelius and, and the Roman emperors from thousands of years ago. They yeah. said the same thing, but our society has made it yeah, it's hard. In in our lifetimes, 1990 yeah. graduate, 1996 uh, graduate from college, you know, um, it, we we at least didn't have this. And, and I feel bad for all these generations that have this because it is so hard to be present. It is so hard to just be there in the moment. But, man, so powerful. Uh, absolutely. Um, so, especially so another, with young families. Another book I'm reading is a book called Indistractable. 
and how to control your attention and choose your life. And it really talks, speaks to these emails that we feel we have to get to the phone, the text, anytime a social, we get a, we get a notification on our phone, you know, Facebook, somebody posted on Facebook, well, geez, I got to drop what I'm doing and go see what it is. Um, it's, a, it's, it, a, it's the dopamine drip. It is, it is, it is. It is literally it is. not much dopamine different drip. than yep. I'm sure the book's saying the same thing. Yep. It's not much different than cocaine, heroin, it's porn an addiction. addiction, sure, sure. Alcohol, you have to get the hit. I, I, I would hate, and I'm the same way. Mm. I actually tried not to go on my phone for the first hour of the day this week. Mm. I tried it. My brain was screaming at me. How ridiculous. I mean, I literally looked at it right before I went to bed. Um, it's, it's 4.30 AM. Nothing happened in the last six hours. I'm sure. Yeah, right. And right. I just said, okay, for an hour, I, I'm just not gonna look at my phone. And I, yeah. I could, I could barely do it. It was so sad. So sad. It can be unnerving. There, there's a, out of this book, they have this app that, um, you can subscribe to and, and again, right. An app that isn't yeah. that, isn't yeah. that diving you back in, yeah. but the concept is, is you can build trees and, and, but it requires you to be off your phone for at least an hour. And if you go on your phone before the hour is up, you kill your trees. I love it. I, I got to uh, text me that app after we're done. If you could. Okay. I will. You know what they should do is money. Cause I'm a money guy. I, <laughs> I, I'm not a money guy that I like money to spend it. I just like to play the game, right? Like for yeah. me, it's, it's just like playing life or monopoly. Like it's just fun. Like they should just, you should earn credits at least for something. Yeah. But I like, think it, and then you should pay in if you get on and that's where the currency comes from. Oh, that's maybe something you and I should get into. That's good. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is for me. That billboard is just be present, you know, yeah. look around you, absorb what's going on in your world. There's so much beauty out there. And for me, I I drove by that beauty for so many years, never really appreciate it, never really took it in. Um, those are things you can't get back. So that that would be it for me. I mean, put me on yeah. the spot. That's what I'd say. You know what I've been uh, really intrigued by probably the last six months to a year is sunrises. And I'm an early guy. Yeah, so I, I know yeah. you're a little Beautiful. later guy. You're probably sun. I no, I'm a sunrise guy. Are you? Which, oh yeah. Which side of the lake do you live on? Do you live on the so, west side? Well, I live on sunrise? the. I, I do from my study. So like where okay. I'm at right now, yeah. I, I got the sunrise uh, right out my front here, and then I've got the sunset uh, on the back corner. So we've kind of got this northwest, southeast front is kind of yeah. southeast, okay. rear is kind of northwest. So I get them both. But uh, I, I've converted myself over the last uh, four years. Uh, in, in, to be more of a, a morning person, and got away from being the night owl because. Okay. And just think it's a more healthier way for me to start my day because I got true time to myself before somebody else wants to grab it. I think it. it's I think it's super powerful to get up early. But I was yeah. gonna say with the sunrise thing is I love sunrises and sunsets when I'm on vacation. Mm -hmm. But I've realized in the last year they're exactly the same when you're not on vacation. <laughs> Are they exactly the same? Nothing changes. Is that crazy? Like I can really actually enjoy that on a Tuesday, yeah. you know, year round. Yeah. I don't have you don't to have to wait. wait. You don't have to wait. <laughs> But you got it. You got to see it. You got to be present. You got to see you, it. You can't. You can't be screaming somewhere. Tim, I thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it, buddy. And thanks for all you've done for Drexel. Yeah, uh, my pleasure. Super big part of what you guys do. All right, thanks, well, buddy. We appreciate you. All right. Yeah. Same. Absolutely. Take care. We appreciate you. God bless, man. Love you, man. See ya. See ya. If I can hit stop record at some point, that'll be recorded. Thanks that was for tuning fun. In. Thanks for tuning, in, everybody. That was great.